Reading Numbers in Everett Fox's translation in June of 2019, chapter 10. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Make yourself two trumpets of silver. Of hammered work you are to make them. They are to be for you for calling together the community and for signaling the marching of the camps. When you sound a blast on them, there shall come together before you the entire community at the entrance of the tent of appointment. Now if but one blast is blown, there shall come together before you the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel. But if you give a trilling blast, then shall march forward the camps encamped on the east. And if you should give a second trilling blast, then shall march forward the camps encamped on the south. Trilling blasts are to be given for their marching forward, but to assemble the assembly you are to blow short blasts. You are not to blow trilling sounds. So the sons of Aharon, the priests, are the ones to sound blasts on the trumpets. For they shall be for you as a law for the ages throughout your generations. And when you enter into war in your land against an attacker who attacks you, blow a trilling blast on the trumpets, so that you may be brought to mind before Yahweh your God and delivered from your enemies. And on the days of your rejoicing, your appointed times, and the heads of your new moons, you are to blow a blast on the trumpets, together with your offerings up, and together with your slaughter offerings of shalom. They shall be of you a reminder before your God. I am Yahweh your God. Now it was in the second year, in the second new moon, on the twentieth after the new moon, that a cloud went up from above the dwelling of testimony, and the children of Israel marched forth on their marches from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud came to dwell in the wilderness of Paran. They marched first by order of Yahweh through the land of Moshe. The contingent of the camp of Yehuda marched forward first by their forces. Over its forces was Nashon, son of Abinadab. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Issachar was Nathaniel, son of Tuar. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Zebulun was Eliab, son of Halon. And once the dwelling was taken down, there marched the sons of Gershon and the sons of Morari, carriers of the dwelling. There marched the contingent to the camp of Reuven by their forces. Over its forces was Elitzur, son of Shadeur. And over the forces of the tribes of the sons of Shimon was Shalumiel, sons of Surishadai. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Gad was Eliasaph, son of Duel. There marched the Kahatites, carriers of the holy things. They set up the dwelling by the time they came. There marched the contingent of the camp of the sons of Ephraim by their forces. Over its forces was Elishama, son of Amahud. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Manasseh was Gamliel, son of Petzur. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Benjamin was Abaddon, son of Gideoni. 
And they marched of the contingent of the camp, the sons of Dan, rear guard of all the camps, by their forces. Over their forces was Ahiezer, son of Amishadai. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Asher was Pagliel, son of Akron. And over the forces of the tribe of the sons of Naphtali was Ahira, son of Anan. These were the marching groups of the children of Israel by their deployed forces. Thus did they march. Now Moshe said to Hovab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are marching to a place about which Yahweh promised. That one I will give to you. Go with us, and we will do good for you. For Yahweh has promised good things for Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but rather to my land and to my kindred I will go. He said, Pray, do not leave us, for after all you know our best place to encamp in the wilderness. You shall be for us as eyes. So it will be, if you go with us, so it will be. From that goodness with which Yahweh will do good for us, we will do good for you. They marched from the mountain of Yahweh, a journey of three days. The coffer of Yahweh's covenant marching before them, a journey of three days, to scout out for them a resting place. Now the cloud of Yahweh was over them by day, as they were marching from the camp. Now it was, whenever the coffer was to march on, Moshe would say, Arise to attack, O Yahweh, that your enemies may scatter, that those who hate you may flee before you. And when it would rest, he would say, Return, O Yahweh, you of the myriad divisions of Israel. So ends the tenth chapter. So ends the segment in Sinai of the law, of the census, of the musterings, of the longest lists. Reading numbers in June of 2019 from Everett Fox's translation, chapter 11. Now the people were like those who grieve over ill fortune in the ears of Yahweh. When Yahweh heard, his anger flared up. There blazed up against them a fire of Yahweh and ate up the edge of the camp. And the people cried out to Moshe, and Moshe interceded to Yahweh, and the fire abated. So they called the name of that place Tavara, Blaze. For there had blazed against them fire of Yahweh. Now the gathered riffraff that were among them had a craving, hunger craving. And moreover, they again wept the children of Israel and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We recall the fish we used to eat in Egypt for free. The cucumbers, the watermelons, the green leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our throats are dry. There is nothing at all except for the mon in front of our eyes. Now the mon is like seed of coriander, its aspect like the aspect of bdellium. 
The people would roam around and collect it, grind it in millstones or crush it in a crusher, boil it in a pot and make it into cakes, so that its taste was like the taste of something rich made with oil. And when the dew came down on the camp at night, the man would come down on top of it. Moshe heard the people weeping by their clans, each man at the entrance to his tent. Now Yahweh's anger flared up exceedingly in the eyes of Moshe. It was ill. Moshe said to Yahweh, For what have you dealt ill with your servant? And for what reason have I not found favor in your eyes, that you have placed the burden of this entire people on me? Did I myself conceive this entire people? Or did I myself give birth to it? that you should say to me, carry it in your bosom like a nursing parent carries a suckling child to the soil about which you swore to our fathers? Where should I get meat to give to this entire people when they weep on me, saying, give us meat so that we may eat? I am not able myself alone to carry this entire people. It is too heavy for me. If thus you deal with me, pray, kill me. Yes, kill me. If I had found favor in your eyes, so that I do not have to see my ill fortune. Then Yahweh spoke to Moshe. Gather me seventy men of the elders of Israel of whom you know that they are elders of the people and its officers, and take them to the tent of appointment, stationing them there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. I will extend from the rushing spirit that is upon you and place it upon them. Then they will carry along with you the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it, you alone. Now to the people you are to say, Hallow yourselves for the morrow, that you may eat meat. For you have wept in the ears of Yahweh, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Yahweh will give you meat, and you shall eat it. Not for only one day shall you eat it, and not for two days, not for five days, or for ten days, or even for twenty days, but for a month full of days, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes for you something disgusting, because you have spurned Yahweh, who is among you, by weeping before him, saying, For what reason did we leave Egypt? Moshe said, Six hundred thousand on foot are the fighting people among whom I am. Yet you, you say, meat I will give them. And they are to eat it for a monthful of days? Are there flocks and herds that may be slain for them, that they would find them sufficient? Or are there all of the fish in the sea to be caught for them, that they would find them sufficient? Yahweh said to Moshe, Is the arm of Yahweh too short? Now you shall see whether my word 
happens to you or not. Moshe went out and spoke to the people the words of Yahweh. He gathered 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. And Yahweh came down in a cloud and spoke to him. And Yahweh extended some of the rushing spirit that was upon him and put it upon the 70 men, the elders. And it was when the spirit rested upon them, they acted like prophets, but did not continue. Now two men remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, the name of the second, Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. They were among those recorded, but they had not gone out to the tent. And they acted like prophets in the camp. A certain lad ran and told Moshe, he said, Eldad and Medad are acting like prophets in the camp. Then Yehoshua, son of Nun, Moshe's attendant from his youth, spoke up. He said, My lord Moshe, contain them. But Moshe said to him, Are you jealous for me? Oh, who would give that all the people of Yahweh were prophets, that Yahweh would put the rush of his spirit upon them? Moshe took himself back to the camp, he and the elders of Israel, and a rush of wind moved from Yahweh and swept in quails from the sea. They spread out over the camp as far as a day's journey here and a day's journey there all around the camp and about two cubits upon the face of the ground. The people arose all that day and all night and all the morrow day gathering the quail. The least gathered ten homers. They spread them, spread them out, all around the camp. The meat was still between their teeth, the supply not yet exhausted. When the anger of Yahweh flared up among the people, and Yahweh struck down among the people an exceedingly great striking. So they called the name of that place Kivrot Hatavah, burial places of the craving. For there they buried the people who had the craving. For Kivrat HaTava, the people marched to Hatseroth, and they remained in Hatseroth. So ends chapter 11 of Numbers. Reading Numbers in June of 2019 from the Everett Fox translation, chapter 12. Now Miriam spoke, and Aharon, against Moshe, on account of the Cushite wife that he had taken in marriage, for a Cushite wife he had taken. They said, Is it only, solely, through Moshe that Yahweh speaks? Is it not also through us that he speaks? And Yahweh heard. Now the man Moshe was exceedingly humble, more than any other human who is on the face of the earth. And Yahweh said suddenly to Moshe, to Aharon, and to Miriam, Go out, the three of you, to the tent of appointment. The three of them went out, 
And Yahweh descended in a column of cloud and stood at the entrance to the tent. He called out, Aharon and Miriam. And the two of them went out. And he said, Pray, hear my words. If there should be among you a prophet of Yahweh, in a vision to him I make myself known. In a dream I speak with him. Not so, my servant Moshe. In all my house, trusted is he. Mouth to mouth, I speak with him. In plain sight, not in riddles. And the form of Yahweh is what he beholds. So why were you not too awestruck to speak against my servant, against Moshe? The anger of Yahweh flared up against them, and he went off. When the cloud turned away from above the tent, here Miriam was tarat, like snow. And when Haran faced Miriam, here she has tarat. And Haran said to Moshe, Please, my lord, do not pray impose upon us guilt for a sin by which we were foolish by which we sinned. Do not pray, let her be like a dead child, who, when it comes out of its mother's womb, is eaten up half its flesh. Moshe cried out to Yahweh, saying, O God, pray, heal her, pray. And Yahweh said to Moshe, If her father spat, yes, spat in her face, would she not be put to shame for seven days at least? Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp. Afterward, she may be gathered back. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not march on until Miriam had been gathered back. Only afterward did the people march on from Hatserat. They encamped in the wilderness of Paran. So ends chapter 12. Reading numbers in June of 2019 in Ever Fox's translation, chapter 13. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Send for yourself men, that they may scout out the land of Canaan, that I am giving to the children of Israel. One man, one man per tribe of their fathers, you are to send, each one a leader among them. So Moshe sent them from the wilderness of Paran by order of Yahweh, all of them men of standing, heads of the children of Israel were they, and these were their names. For the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, son of Zakur, for the tribe of Shimon, Shaphat, son of Hori. For the tribe of Yehuda, Caleb, son of Yephuni. For the tribe of Issachar, Yigal, son of Yosef. For the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. For the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu. For the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodi. For the tribe of Yosef, for the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, son of Susi. For the tribe of Dan, Amiel, 
son of Gamali. For the tribe of Asher, Setur, son of Michael. For the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Yvosphesi. For the tribe of Gad, Geoel, son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moshe sent to scout out the land. Now Moshe called Hoshea, son of Nun, Yehoshua. When Moshe sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up this way, through the Negev, parched land, and then you are to go up into the hill country and see the land, what it is like, and the population that is settled in it. Are they strong or weak? Are they few or many? And what the land is like, and where they are settled? Is it good or ill? What are the towns like, where they are settled therein? Are they encampments or fortified places? And what the land is like, is it fat or lean? Are there in it trees or not? Exert yourselves and take some of the fruit of the land. Now these days are the days of first ripe grapes. So they went up and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Tsin as far as Rehov, coming toward Hamat. They went up through the Negev, came as far as Hebron. There are Ahiman, Sheshe, and Talmai, the descendants of the Anakites. Now Hebron had been built seven years before Soan of Egypt. They came to the Wadi of Eshkol, clusters, and cut down from there a branch and one cluster of grapes. They had to carry it on a bar held by two, and some pomegranates, and some figs. That place they called the Wadi of Clusters, on account of the cluster that the children of Israel had cut down there. They returned from scouting out the land at the end of forty days. They came they went and came before Moshe, before Aharon, and before the entire community of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They returned word to them and to the entire community and let them see the fruit of the land. And they recounted to him, they said, We came to the land that you sent us to, and yes, it is flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Except that fierce are the people that are settled in the land. The cities are fortified, exceedingly large. And also the descendants of Anak did we see there. Amalek is settled in the Negev land. And the Hittite and the Jebusite and the Amorite are settled in the hill country. The Canaanite is settled by the sea and hard by the Jordan. Caleb hushed the people before Moshe and said, Let us go up, yes, up, and possess it, for we can prevail, yes, prevail against it. But the men who went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the population, for it is stronger than we. So they gave out a false report of the land that they had scouted out to the children of Israel, saying, 
the land that we crossed through to scout it out. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people that we saw in its midst are men of great stature. For there we saw the giants, the children of Anak, come from the giants. We were, in our own eyes, like grasshoppers, and thus were we in their eyes. So ends chapter 13. Reading Numbers in June of 2019, the 14th chapter in Everett Fox's translation. The entire community lifted up and let out their voice, and the people wept on that night. And they grumbled against Moshe and against Aharon, all the children of Israel. They said to them, the entire community, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or in this wilderness, would that we had died. Why is Yahweh bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said, each man to his brother, Let us head back and return to Egypt. Moshe and Aharon flung themselves on their faces before the entire assembled community of the children of Israel. Now, Yahashua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Yephune, alone from among those who had scouted out the land, ripped their garments. They said to the entire community of the children of Israel, saying, The land that we crossed through to scout it out, good is that land, exceedingly, exceedingly. If Yahweh is pleased with us, he will bring us to this land and give it to us, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But against Yahweh do not rebel, and you do not be afraid of the people of the land, for food for us are they. Their protector has turned away from them, and Yahweh is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the entire community of Israel thought to pelt them with stones. Now the glory of Yahweh was seen at the tent of appointment by all the children of Israel. And Yahweh said to Moshe, How long will this people scorn me? How long will they not trust in me, despite all the signs that I have done among them? Let me strike it down with pestilence and dispossess it. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier in number than it. But Moshe said to Yahweh, When they hear about it, the Egyptians, that you brought up this people with your power from its midst, they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you are Yahweh in the midst of this people, that eye to eye you were seen, O Yahweh, your cloud standing over them, and a column of cloud going before them by day, and a column of fire by night. Should you put this people to death as one man, then will say the nations, 
that have heard of your fame, saying, It was for want of Yahweh's ability to bring this people into the land about which he swore to them. So he slew them in the wilderness. So now, pray let the power of my Lord to forbear be great, as you have spoken, saying, Yahweh, long-suffering and of much loyalty, bearing iniquity and transgression, yet clearing, not clearing the guilty, calling to account the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons to the third and to the fourth generation. Pray, grant pardon for the iniquity of this people, as your loyalty is great, just as you have been bearing iniquity for this people from Egypt until now. Yahweh said, I grant pardon according to your words. However, as I live, and as the glory of Yahweh fills all the earth, indeed all the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tested me these ten times by not hearkening to my voice, if they should see the land about which I swore to their fathers, all that have scorned me will not see it. But as for my servant Caleb, because there was another spirit in him, and he followed me fully, so I will bring him into the land that he is about to enter, and his seed will possess it. Now the Amalekite and the Canaanite are settled in the lowlands. On the morrow, face about and march into the wilderness by the Reed Sea Road. Now Yahweh spoke to Moshe and Aharon, saying, Till when for this evil community that they stir up grumbling against me, the grumblings of the children of Israel, that they grumble against me, I have heard. Say to them, as I live, the utterance of Yahweh, if not as you have spoken in my ears, thus I do to you. In this wilderness shall your corpses fall. All those of you accounted for battle, including all your number, from the age of twenty upward, you that have grumbled against me. If any of you should enter the land over which I have lifted my hand in an oath to have you dwell in it, except for Caleb son of Yahune and Yahashua son of Nun, your little ones whom you said would become plunder, I will let them enter. They shall come to know the land that you have spurned. But your corpses, yours, shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall graze in the wilderness for forty years. Thus shall they bear your whoring until your corpses come to an end in the wilderness. According to the number of days that you scouted out the land, forty days, for each day a year, for each day a year, you are to bear your iniquities forty years. 
Thus you will come to know my hostility. I am Yahweh. I have spoken. If I do not do this to the whole evil community that has come together against me, in this wilderness they will come to an end. There they will die. So the men whom Moshe had sent to scout out the land returned and caused the entire community to grumble against him by bringing a false report about the land. The men died, those bringing a report of the land, an ill one, and a plague, before the presence of Yahweh. But Yahashua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Yephune, remained alive from those men that had gone to scout out the land. Now when Moshe spoke all these words to the children of Israel, the people mourned exceedingly. They started early in the morning and went up to the top of the hill country, saying, Here we are. Let us go up to attack the place that Yahweh promised, for we have sinned. And Moshe said, Why now do you cross the order of Yahweh? It will not succeed. Do not go up, for Yahweh is not in your midst. That you may not be smitten by your foes. For the Amalekite and the Canaanite are there to face you. You will fall by the sword. For since you have returned from following after Yahweh, Yahweh will not be there with you. But they went up recklessly to the top of the hill country, while the coffer of the covenant of Yahweh and Moshe did not move from amid the camp. And the Amalekite and the Canaanite, who were settled in that hill country, came down. They struck them and crushed them near Hormah. So ends the 14th chapter. Reading numbers in June of 2019. Chapter 15. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land of your settlements that I am giving you, and the sacrifice a fire offering to Yahweh, an offering up or a slaughter offering, to make a vow offering, or in free will, or at your appointed times, to sacrifice a soothing savor for Yahweh, from herd or from flock. The one bringing near his near offering is to bring near to Yahweh as grain gift, flour, a tenth measure, mixed with a fourth of a hin of oil, and wine for a poured offering, a fourth of a hin. You are to sacrifice it with the offering up, or the slaughter offering, for each one sheep, or for the ram. You are to make as a grain gift flour two-tenth measures, mixed with oil, a third of a hin, and wine for a poured offering, a third of a hin. You are to bring near a soothing savor for a Yahweh. And when you sacrifice the young of the herd as an offering up or as a slaughter offering to make a vow offering or a shalom offering to Yahweh, it is to be brought near 
with the young of the herd as a grain gift, flour three-tenth measures, mixed with oil half a hin, and the wine you are to bring near as a poured offering half a hin, a fire offering of soothing savor for Yahweh. Thus it is to be sacrificed with each one ox, or with each one ram, or with any lamb, among the sheep or among the goats, according to the number that you sacrifice. Thus you are to sacrifice for each one according to their number. Every native is to sacrifice these thus, to bring near a fire offering of soothing savor for Yahweh. Now when there's sojourners with you, a sojourner, or one that has been in your midst throughout your generations, and he sacrifices a fire offering of soothing savor for Yahweh. As you sacrifice it, thus is he to sacrifice it. Assembly, one law for you and for the sojourner that takes up sojourner, a law for the ages throughout your generations. As it is for you, so will it be for the sojourner before the presence of Yahweh. One instruction, one regulation shall there be for you and for the sojourner that takes up sojourner with you. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land that I am bringing you to, it shall be that when you eat of the bread of the land, you are to set aside a contribution to Yahweh, premier product of your kneading troughs, round lobes you are to set aside as a contribution, like the contribution of the threshing floor, so you are to set it aside. From the premier product of your kneading troughs, you are to give Yahweh a contribution throughout your generations. Now if you should err by not doing any of these commandments about which Yahweh spoke to Moshe, anything that Yahweh has commanded you through the hand of Moshe, from the day that Yahweh commanded and forward throughout your generations, it shall be. If away from the eyes of the community it was done, by error, the entire community is to sacrifice one bull, a young of the herd, as an offering up, as a soothing savor for Yahweh, with its grain gift and its poured offering, according to regulation, and one hairy goat as a hatat offering. The priest is to effect purgation for the entire community of the children of Israel that there may be granting of pardon for them. For it was an error, but they have brought their near offering, a fire offering of soothing savor for Yahweh, and their hatat offering before the presence of Yahweh on account of their error. So there shall be granting of pardon for the entire community of the children of Israel, and for the sojourner that sojourns in their midst. For it was done by the entire people in error.
Now, if one person sins in error, he is to bring near a she-goat in its first year as a hatat offering. The priest is to effect purgation for the person that errs in sinning in erring before the presence of Yahweh to effect purgation for him that he may be granted pardon. The native among the children of Israel and for the sojourner that sojourns in your midst, one instruction shall there be for you, for him that does anything in error. But the person that does anything with a high hand among the native born or among the sojourners, it is Yahweh that he blasphemes. Cut off shall that person be from among his kinspeople. For the word of Yahweh he has despised, and his commandment he has violated. Cut off, cut off shall that person be. His iniquity is on him. Now when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man picking wood on the Sabbath day. They brought him near, those who found him picking wood, to, to Moshe and to Aharon and to the entire community, they put him under guard, for it had not been clarified what should be done to him. Yahweh said to Moshe, A man is to be put to death, yes, death. Pelt him with stones, the entire community, outside the camp. So they brought him, the entire community, outside the camp, they pelted him with stones so that he died as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. Yahweh said to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them that they are to make themselves tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and are to put on the corner tassel a thread of blue violet. It shall be for you a tassel, that you may look at it and keep in mind all the commandments of Yahweh and observe them, that you not go scouting around after your heart, after your eyes, which you go whoring after, in order that you may keep in mind and observe all my commandments, and so be holy to your God. I am Yahweh, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt to be to you a God. I am Yahweh, your God. So ends chapter 15. Numbers. Week 3. Spies and Rebels. Chapters 10 to 15. We begin the week with the beginnings of rebellion in the wilderness wanderings. If the P. Priestly voice claimed a martial heritage to encourage those rebuilding a temple five centuries before Jesus in the Common Era, they did not edit out the older traditions that acknowledged the challenges of building a unified people as many and more centuries before, in the wilderness, among migrant peoples, the drama is found in the narrative after the stage has been set and populated. This week begins with the hopeful 
scouting and spying out of the promised land. But 10 out of the 12 scouts lose their nerve and demoralize the people. And then another 250 leaders attempt a democratic devolution of power and the ground opens up and swallows them. So, Monday, chapter 10, converts those lists to march in orders. Who leads, who follows, and who's the rear guard? Moses invites the Midianite in-laws along, but they decline. We're ready to stay when the crowd of presence stays, but when it moves, Moses cries, Arise! And when it stops, cries, Return! Imagine those cries echoed across the ages beyond the first three-day leg of moving on from Sinai. Tuesday, chapter 11, introduces an older voice. The traditions of rebellion, as they say, echoes of tales already told in Exodus, but elaborated here. Tabara introduces the type of whining and the divine response. Kibroth Habtaba plays out the craving and Moses' wavering. Recruitment of 70 elders, as in one Sinai tradition. And the blessing becomes a curse, the quail beyond any hunger, and divine response undeterred. Wednesday, chapter 12, extends the rebellion to Miriam and Aaron. Even, especially, the inner circle of siblings reveal jealousy. Chapter 6 was not just misogyny. Are they racist or just xenophobic about their Cushite in-laws? Moses is revealed as Primus Inter Paris. Miriam gets leprosy and Aaron is doomed with her to die in the wilderness. His reputation and, incidentally, consequentially, that of the Aaronic priesthood is sullied forever. Thursday, chapter 13, begins in the wilderness of Paran, south of Negev, and the twelve spies representing their tribes, scouting out the promised land. Don't learn these names, except Joshua and Caleb. The other ten exaggerate the problems and underestimate their assets, including God. And nobody names their kids after those guys. Imagine a bad consultant's report that confuses data with the moral choices and recommendations given to the client. Friday, Chapter 14, Joshua and Caleb offer a minority report, trying to counter the bad report of the majority. But the people say, Oh, my wives and my children are at risk. Well, they resume their whining to return to Egypt. And Moses complains about his job. So God deals consequences. He kills the ten scouts by plague, threatens to replace the whole people. Moses plea bargains it down to doom in the whole generation to die in the wilderness this side of the promised land. Saturday, chapter 15, departs from the narrative into the more if-then rules for the future people, like those who produced this edition. God claims tithes and taxes for the greater good, and God threatens any who will withhold their private wealth from the commonwealth. Distinctions are drawn between collective and inadvertent drift from the divine plan and individual and intentional moral transgressions. Right relations will rule. 
Today might be a good day to introduce the idea of non-applied law. This week we go beyond the prescription of collective contributions to the mustering and the initiation of the slaughter site. It's one thing to make do with leadership of a caravan in the desert, sending unrepentant offenders beyond the pale to die in the desert. But this scouting out of the promised land invites speculation of how we would rule ourselves differently than do the people already in the land. For most of the three millennia of this tradition, the people has lacked the sovereignty of a nation-state within a territory where they could apply biblical law or Torah. Perhaps in the days of the first and second temple, with a judicial Sanhedrin with power of criminal sanctions, halakha was implemented. However, for diaspora and subordinated people, the law is read as if that ideal were attained but applied in a context of not yet or no longer. The word you might Google is galut or golus for the theological condition of non-applied law. The Babylonian or Jerusalem Talmud of the early common era or Maimonides' medieval Mishnah Torah in the 16th century Shulchan Aruch all elaborate on halakha or law as if it were possible to implement. I like it to the Christian traditions that were begun in the Gospels, talking about the kingdom of heaven is like, or in the fourth gospel restated as, I am. Sure, the powers that be are unjust. Caesar. But if we were in charge, if Jesus were Lord, this is how it would work. Of course, Christendom called our bluff on actually living that out. An example here is the reasoning by which Talmud nullified capital punishment. The criminal had to consent verbally to his own judicial execution in a procedure called hatra'ah, or warning. The same reasoning is extended to lesser punishments. An accused has to commit the actus reus and do the deed, has to have the mens rea, or the guilty mind, and then, in addition, has to admit the punishment that is deserved and agree to have it inflicted upon him. Is such a law going to have any deterrent or corrective function? Yes, 